Good morning. How is everyone today? Let's stand together. Let's give him praise. Let's go ahead and start the service off.
glorify you, O oh God. We glorify you, holy name, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. Continue to worship, amen. You may be seated. Amen. Isn't it good to be in the house of the Lord this morning? Isn't it good to be in church today? I, <clears throat> I had somebody this morning that told me that they were searching for where they could put the offering. Man, that just made my soul feel so good, I about shouted <laughs> right off the bat. As you walk out the foyer this morning, we've got two on the way. They're offering boxes. Come on, some air, brother, up here at least. I don't know what they're feeling, but I'm about to die. And you'll see as you walk out, there's two pictures right here on either side of the door. There's a nice and neat tithes and offering right there. There's envelopes on the front. There's a drop-in box where you can drop it in. It's safe and secure there. And uh, next week, hopefully, we'll have one on either side. This morning, there's just one on your right-hand side. So if you want to give in tithes and offering this morning, we're going to do it that way. It just seems to make things easier to do something like that that's stationary and, uh, and also that's closed and secure. Not that we think we've got any thieves, but you know how it is. We keep an honest man honest is what they used to say when I was coming up. But I just want to make sure your money's protected, and I want to, want to you know, just stir what God's given us. Uh, also, uh, 100 Days of Glory still going on. Time changes next Saturday night. That's spring forward. It is important that you do that. I don't care to announce spring and back because that means you're an hour early for church. This means you're an hour late. So you'll probably get a phone call. If you're not on our one call now service, you need to get in on it. Go ahead and reset my timer there, Brandon. I don't want to start yet. Um, that way I can preach a little longer. Junior talent practice will be next Sunday. Lunch will be provided in the gym and we'll, we'll meet at two, until 2.30. And then also today after service, there's Dollywood raffle tickets for the youth fundraiser. You can get yours today. The drawing <clears throat> excuse me, is going to be next Sunday. So go ahead and grab some today. And also, we have raised, thank you, for $340 that we raised for the Children Harvest Festival. So can we give God praise for that? With that money, we'll be purchasing the spaghetti sauce for the kids. And we're excited about that. We'll get it shipped right to them. And also, the hats. Some of you guys and gals wanted some hats. Uh, I'll be sure to, Branson, don't let me forget your brass run. Grab them. They're in the Sunday school room in a box about yay long. Grab it and bring it to the front for me. And uh, those are $20 a piece, and we'll be sure that you get one of those this morning. We about ran out last week. Got some more of those diamond ones, shaped ones like you guys like. And I got a couple more square ones, I think. But anyhow, all right, enough. I feel like I'm up here at a camp meeting trying to sell a book I wrote, all right? <laughs> Whew, Jesus help us. Let's go to the sermon. Now you can start the time. <clears throat> Today I want to deal with this topic, the winning spirit. And I put an explanation behind it, exclamation, because I want to stress it, the winning spirit. That's what we need in the church today. That's what we need in the world today. I watched and I pray for Ukraine, man, we need to keep them in our prayers. It's a horrible thing going on. For you that never watched the news, you ought to turn it on for just a few minutes so God could give you a burden for those great people that are struggling today. But President Zelensky, the president of Ukraine... It was something when I was listening and the president said we're going to, President Biden said we're going to pull you out, we'll come, we'll help get you out of the country. And he says the fight is here. I don't need a ride. I need ammo. Man. I almost felt spiritual hearing that. 
There is something inside of him that even though the odds are stacked against him, and mind you, they are very much against him. He's dealing with the second world power as far as a nation or country is concerned. The second world power of Russia. Got more nuclear warheads than any uh, nation on the, on, the world, uh, on the earth. That's what he's fighting against. But there is something in him that still has a winning spirit. And, and I heard something the other day that said the reason that the people of Ukraine are still fighting like they're doing and they're making Molotov, whatever they call them, bombs, homemade bombs where you put alcohol or whatever in it or gas and you, you know, toss something to it, light it, throw it, and it explodes on people. That's what they're making over there, cocktails pretty much, to do that, just, just us, people like us, just civilians. And it's amazing because they said the reason that they're fighting is because of the winning spirit that that president has. He believes in his heart that they can win. Man, I wish to God that we in the church would get that way. Because I'm going to tell you something. We're with the superpower for sure. And I'm not talking about nuclear warheads. And I'm not talking about military strength. We are in the kingdom of God. And in the end, I promise you, I read Revelation. I know what's going to happen in the end. We're going to win this battle, ladies and gentlemen. So there is no reason for us to walk around defeated. If anybody ought to have a winning spirit that we can achieve it, it ought to be the church of Jesus Christ. It was Winston Churchill that said the words in the middle of the war. He said, success is going from one failure to another failure without losing your enthusiasm. You know, regardless of who you are here today, I think there's a drive in us that desires to be successful in life. Whether you pastor, you want to be a great pastor. Whether you're in sales, yes, and you get tagged as the aggravating salesman, but you're making good money because you've got a drive in you. You may, to the construction worker, to the teacher, policeman, the firefighter, whatever you may work, whatever field it may be, there's something in every one of us that we want to make a difference in the world around us. I believe that's a God-giving instinct in every one of us that we should want and have a desire to make a difference wherever God places us, whatever field that may be in, whether ministry or secular, that God has placed us there for a season such as this. I've never met a person that I can think of that just told me that they started something and they wanted to fail at it. I mean, it is just not natural. I mean, to walk up to somebody and they're like, man, I sure can't wait to fail. I sure can't wait to lose. I mean, who talks like that? I mean, normally people that are like that, they never try anything anyhow. They don't dare to dream. They don't dare to plan because they don't have this spirit inside of them. The spirit of Caleb is what I'm going to talk about for a few moments this morning. So, so some people envision that they're just, they're just too inadequate. They, they lack resources or, or, or they, they'll never be able because of the obstacles in front of them. To reach their goals. But God wants you to understand. that. See these people they stop dreaming. They give up on whatever little future they may have had. They learn to live in what I often talk about. Which is the status quo. Some people identify with the man that says. I've come to the conclusion. That the key to success just doesn't fit in my ignition. I've tried it and it just doesn't work. There's some people like that. What we need today it's like a President Zelensky for his nation. Uh, we need a, a, a role model. We need somebody that we can look to, that we can have confidence in. A man, not a man that was born with a silver spoon in his mouth and always got everything he wanted. I need a man of faith that can show us the way. I need somebody that knows what it means through many dangers, tolls, and snares. 
I have already come, but I'm still holding on because Jesus is the best thing that I've ever found. So none other can I think of a man any better than this than the man named Caleb. We have very little background about Caleb. a matter of fact, we know he's from the tribe of Judah. He's the son of Jephunneh. I hope I'm saying that right. He is one of the 12 spies that are chosen by Moses to go spy out the promised land. The group spies out the land, you know the story, for 40 days, and then they return to the camp, the Bible said, at the desert of Paran. Everything is going as planned. The spies gave their report. They said the land that we went and spied out is flowing with milk and honey. They even brought back some of the luscious grapes or the fruit that they got from the land. The people get all excited about their new home. Man, we can't wait to have this. And Until all of a sudden, one of the spies decided that they were going to bring those hopes and those dreams to a grinding halt. It is with the word that begins with B. Anybody want to guess it? Everybody's got one. Right. But. And all of a sudden, at the holding stop of the word, but, everything changed. They said, but the people are powerful. But the cities are fortified. But there are giants in the land. But look at Numbers 1330. The Bible said that then Caleb silenced the people before Moses. And this is what Caleb said. We should go up and take possession of the land for we can certainly do it. If they would have listened to Caleb, there would never be 40 years in the wilderness for us to read about in the Bible because God would have gave them the land. I am convinced of that, that oftentimes the troubles that we have to go through, it is not because God can't bring us through it. It is because we settle for less than God's best and we end up there of our own doing. They ended up in a wilderness because of their own doing. But we've got a Caleb spirit. We've got a winning spirit that says, I don't care. But the other spies, see, Caleb is saying, we can do it. But the other ten spies are saying, we can't do it. They went on, and you may know, they called themselves grasshoppers in the sight of the giants. The people start grumbling to Moses and Aaron, Numbers 14, 11. Look at this. The Lord said to Moses, how long will these people treat me with contempt? How long will they refuse to believe in me in spite of all the signs that I have performed among them? God says, look at everything that I have done for you. Why in the world, why in the world would they doubt me now? They have walked across the Red Sea on dry ground. They have seen miracle after miracle after miracle. They saw me plague Egypt that came against them. They've seen all these things. How could they do that? And then as we read on, we learn that uh, they ask the question, why is the Lord bringing us out of the land to fall by the sword? They said these words in chapter 14, 3 and 4. They said it this way. They said, we should choose a leader and go back to Egypt. Now Moses has loved them and tried to help them. They're going to throw him under the bus. We don't need you anymore. Hey, you had your glory days. It's time to move on. You know, I know churches like that. They think if they get a new pastor, they can get something done. The problem with Israel was not their leader. The problem with Israel was Israel. I'm serious. That's all it was. I mean, listen, it didn't matter if it was Moses. Thank God for their leader. Because if it had not been for Moses, God would have killed them a long time ago. 
It was because of this leader they're wanting to get rid of that they're still alive anyhow. But he didn't go around holding the big head talking about, hey, God was going to strike y'all down with some fire, but I prayed until God heard. He didn't need no glory, no accolades. He just was trying to be the servant of God, serve the people of God. That's all he wanted to do. He was really a great leader. But then all of a sudden, God spoke. And when God speaks, he lets him understand that there is going to be a whole generation because of their faithlessness, their disobedience, that they're going to spend 40 years in the middle of a desert. Look at Numbers 14, 24. So God gives a promise. For he says, but because my servant Caleb, and this is a promise to two of the families. It is the families of the two spies, Joshua and Caleb. There's some people that want to celebrate with you. Come on, somebody. Watch this. Watch this. These people wanted to disagree. They wanted to fight. They wanted to quarrel. They were acting like, oh my gosh, you're horrible people to try to tell us to go forward. There's some people that won't agree with you. They'll fight with you. Even when you're headed in the right direction. But then when you get there, then they want to go with you. Whoa, I knew it was going to work out. Well, if, if you can't get on the ship with me when you think it's going to sink, don't get on the ship with me when we're about to cross over to the other side. And that's exactly how these people were. But when God spoke, he said the other ten spies, their families, a matter of fact, this entire generation, because of their doubt that's in the wilderness, none of them are going with us. Only my servant Caleb and Joshua. Watch. Because Caleb has a different spirit. This verse always kind of just, it's interesting to me. He has a, he's different than normal people. This guy has a winning spirit. He follows me wholeheartedly. And I will bring him into the land that he went to. And his descendants are going to inherit it with him. What a remarkable spirit. A different spirit. A weak hand spirit. Even when the odds are against us. I got four points to make this morning. Four lessons that Caleb's spirit gives us. And then I'll let you go. But it's the spirit of a winner. Number one. In verse uh, 30 of chapter 13. Caleb silenced the opposition. I want to tell somebody today. That if you are a Christian and you've never faced opposition, there's something wrong going on in your life. Because to the child of God, everyone in this building today is going to face opposition. If you set dreams, if you set goals, if you say, I'm going to make something of myself... I'm going to achieve it. I promise you. You are going to go through opposition. You are going to go through criticism. People are going to talk about you. You're going to go through adversity. The devil and enemy is going to fight you. And you're even going to have seasons that you're going to go through unbelief yourself. So all of a sudden, Caleb said, if we're going to win, the first thing we've got to do is silence the opposition in order to succeed. You know, sometimes I feel like maybe we just need to tell people, would you just hush? Would you just stop it? I really, that, that well, you know, that, that well-meaning neighbor that loves you so much, wants to tell you what to do. Could you just be quiet, Becky, for a little while? Karen, could you just calm down? Joshua remembered this principle. His partner now, partner in crime, they both said we can. Joshua remembered this 40 years later. Watch this. They are going to invade the city of Jericho. 
Now this is what I found in Joshua chapter 6 and I thought it was so powerful I had to share it with you today. He told them, he said, we are going to march around these walls for six entire days. For six days you are not to open your mouth. Read your Bible. He told them, he said, for these six days you cannot talk. He forbid them to speak as they marched around Jericho. Do you know why? He told them they couldn't speak. Because if he would have allowed them to speak, I can just hear them now. The words of unbelief. Look at the size of these walls. There's never been a military or an army that has ever overcome Jericho. This is the greatest city in the world. Look how strong it is. Oh, they could get up there and they could just throw stones over the top and crush us little peasants as we walk around. They could get bow and arrows and they could just shoot at us. I mean, what kind of of strategy is this? They could crush us like ants. What kind of a strategy is it to walk across Around the most fortified city in all this time. And and we're sitting ducks out here. Do you hear the defeat? Do you hear a defeated spirit? Do you hear a losing spirit? Because that's exactly what I hear. They would have taught themselves right out of victory. And see, I'm afraid today that there's some of us in this building that God is wanting to take us to a place we've never been before. But I fear today that sometimes we are talking our own selves out of the victory that God has already promised us. You cannot afford to open your mouth and speak in defeat. You cannot afford to open up your mouth and say it is impossible. Listen to me. This is what's so powerful about this story. For six days they are to be quiet. But here Joshua said on the seventh day in verse 16. He said you are only allowed to speak on the seventh day. And when you speak on the seventh day, he said, shout, for the Lord has given you the city. And I say it that way because in the Bible he uses exclamation points. It's as if he stressed the point. When you open your mouth, don't you give God some petty praise. Don't you give God some half-caught praise. When you open your mouth, you shout the loudest shout of victory that you've ever shouted before. You let the enemy know we're coming for you. You let the enemy know today you are defeated in Jesus' name. And when they begin to shout, they shouted so loud that the walls came tumbling down. My God, wouldn't it be great if when people get ready to open their mouth and speak, that they would speak blessings over you? Wouldn't it be nice if people, instead of discouraging us and instead of talking down to us and acting as if we're not as good as them, wouldn't it be great if when they opened their mouth, they said, I just want you to know you're going to make it. I mean, wouldn't it be great if when they opened their mouth, they would say, I was praying this week. I, I had you on my heart. And I just want you to know God loves you and I love you. Maybe a word from the Lord, a word of knowledge that says, man, I was praying and God told me to tell you, everything is going to be all right. That's all I've got to say. See, it would be great if when we open our mouth, we would only be blessing people. And also when we open our mouth, wouldn't it be great if we would just lift our hands and and open our mouths and just give God the greatest shout of praise that the world's ever seen. That's what God is looking for. Sometimes you just got to silence the opposition. 
and President Theodore Roosevelt, and I won't read it all, but in his speech he said it's not the critic who counts, it's not the man who points out how the strong man stumbled or where the doer of deeds could have done better. He said the credit belongs to the man who is actually in the arena, whose face is marred by dust, sweat, blood, and, and strives valiantly, who errs and comes short again and again, because there's no effort without shortcoming. Who actually tries to do the deed with great enthusiasm devotes himself. For better it is to dare mighty things to win glorious triumphs. Even though checkered by failure them to rank with these poor spirits. Who neither enjoy nor suffer. Because they live in the gray twilight that never knows victory. Nor does it know defeat. I mean who cares about the critic to give it into layman's terms. The honor is not for the critic. The honor is for the doer. The honor is for the man that dares to try. It is the man in the arena. So what the president was saying, don't be distracted by all the people around you. All you do, you get in there and you fight. And you have a winning spirit. And you believe no matter what they say, you're going to come out with victory on the other side. That is the type of people that have the Caleb my God have mercy. The Caleb spirit. The Caleb spirit. The Caleb spirit. Secondly. Caleb advanced the kingdom of God. Now, now I want to show you something here. We have two options. When it comes to the battle. That we are facing. And, and, and I, I keep mentioning Ukraine. But I feel like there, there, there's a, a spiritual concept. Even in their situation. Because the two options that you have. Is to advance. Or to retreat. Right? You either move forward. Progress. Or you regress. Or digress. Whatever you want to call it. So either you are moving forward. Or you are moving backwards. So there is a Caleb. That says now is the time for God's people. To advance. I want to tell you something. The enemy is trying his best in this last day and hour to bring a darkness over our world like we've never seen before. Satan is trying his very best to cast a shadow over the church. But I've got news for the devil. Does a man light a uh, a candle and hide it under a bushel? No. He removes it so that it can give light to everyone in the house. You, the church, are a city that is set on a hill. He said to us, we are the light of the world. So the reason that Satan is trying to put a shadow over the church is because he knows the hope of the world. Guess where it is? It's in the church. The hope of the world is Christians. The hope of the world when morality has gone to hell in a handbasket. It is the child of God that stands up and says, I'm going to treat people the way they should be treated. It is the child of God in the middle of a division in our nation. That we take arms with those that may look different than us, may act different than us, may come from different places. But we bind together with them and we celebrate together. We're showing the world. We're not like the world. We're not of the world. We're the city on the hill. We're shining so the world can see. And I want to tell you something about light and darkness. All right, you ready for it? 
It doesn't matter how dark a room is. You take one lighter and you light that thing just a flick of it. And do you know what automatically happens? The whole place begins to light up. And I feel like there's somebody here today that understands the church. In many cases, I think we've retreated. I think many pastors in 2022 have retreated. Because... So many have become scared to talk about hot topics. They are scared to death. Oh, well, we don't get political at the church. Really? All right, first off, I'm not going to tell you who to vote for. But I will preach about the things that the person you're voting for stands for. And I will preach whether it's Bible or whether it's not Bible. So understand with me. Now is not the time for the church to sit quietly in a corner and say we're just going to let the politicians handle the country. It is time that the children of God speak up and speak out and say thus saith the Lord. It is time for the church to prophesy over the world again and says this is what God says. Your sons and daughters are prophesying. Now is the time for the kingdom of God to advance. And Caleb knew that. That's why he is constantly pressuring them. Move forward. Move forward. But Israel responds to them. Well there's giants over there. Egypt was easier. It was more comfortable. It was without challenging. It really didn't demand no faith. I mean evidently Egypt wasn't as bad as they said it was. Because they were all the time talking about. Let's go back to Egypt. Let's go back to Egypt. Let's go back. Oh, Lord, somebody get some of those leeks exported. Let's just go to the promised land. You can eat the leeks in the promised land. I mean, these people are crazy. Let's go back. I guess they forgot what it was like to be in slavery. Or maybe they got conditioned to living like slaves. But I'm not conditioned to that. Because God didn't call us to be slaves. He said, I have called you to live in liberty. Now, liberty does not mean that we can do whatever we want. Liberty in Christ does not mean that we can go out there and rob a drugstore today and go sell at black market to make some money. Because when we do that, we mar the name of Christianity. We don't advance the kingdom like that. That's why we're digressing. That's why we're moving backwards. That's why the church is retreating. It's scandal after scandal. It's sin after sin. And we don't don't deal with them like we should. So I'm not saying today that to live in liberty is to live the way you want to. And you can do whatever. That's not what I'm preaching today. But I'm telling you liberty in Jesus Christ. What liberty in Jesus Christ means is that Satan is no longer longer my master what that means is sin does not have power over me that means that addictions cannot control my life he whom the son is set free they are free indeed see I've got a new master and I love my master so much and I'm talking like the slave driver all in my ear because I want to stay here in slavery I don't want to leave because I love my master too much Oh, Jesus, help me. Living in liberty. It's exercising the fact that in Christ, you are a new creation. 
It is exercising in Christ that the old you has passed away. The new you has been born. My God, Egypt is not God's best for you. It gives you no opportunity. It leaves you in a subservient role. It does not give you any victory. We should never be content there. When God's wanting to advance us to the promised land of abundant living. When they got to the Red Sea, the Bible said that Basically, in Exodus 14, 15, the words that he used, he said, Moses looked at him and said, we need to move on. I need to tell somebody today, stop crying and move on. I need to tell somebody today. Quit standing at a stalemate. Quit sitting here at the same point. It is time. Somebody said, well, Pastor, I just can't. <laughs> what you need to do is take a spiritual foot. And you need to take a step today. I'm telling you, you will cause all of hell to scramble. I mean, they'll be running around there. Oh, my God. She thinks she's going to move forward. I thought we had her. She was so defeated yesterday. But today, she's trying to move forward. My God, I thought her past had her. I thought I had her wrapped up. But here she is trying to move forward. Why? Because she's got a winning spirit. And the devil can't do nothing with a winning spirit. Because winning spirits always win. I read about Dan Jansen. Y'all probably haven't even heard of him. It's way back in 1992. I know you kids have no idea what I'm talking about. Matter of fact, I was too young. I don't even remember what was happening. Plus, Mama wouldn't let me have a TV, so we didn't get to watch the Winter Olympics. It's 1988. Dan falls. His sister was dying of cancer. He's one of the best speed skaters around from the U.S., He decided that he was going to go in 1988. He was going to try his sister's dying with cancer. He falls on the 500, fails miserably. It was Valentine's Day of 1988. Four days later, he fell again on the 1,000 meter. Everybody said he would win. They thought he would, but because of all the things going on in his life, he ended up failing. He went back to do it again in 1992. He thought to himself, I can redeem myself. But once again, with all this anxiety and stress, just remembering what had happened in his past when he had lost, when he had been defeated. And he said to himself, man, I'm so, he was kind of nervous. And on the 500, he's flying around trying to skate as fast as possible when he falls. It's an embarrassment. Everybody thought he would win. He's, he's rated the number one chance to win this thing. I mean, everybody knows that Dan is going to win, but Dan falls. But they said for days, he had one more race, the 1,000 meter. And for days, he said, I like the 1,000, I like the 1,000. So when the gun sounds, he starts setting out at a record pace. He's got strength. He's got confidence. On the last turn, he's trying to hurry to beat number two that's coming behind him. And he begins to slip. And when he does, the story goes that his hand brushes the ice. People are gasping, thinking Dan's going to fall for the fourth time. But this time, Dan is able to keep his balance. And he goes through the line, hands lifted, in victory. Now, the thing about the story is not only had Dan Jansen won the 1,000 meter, 
But that day, Dan Jansen set a world record for the fastest, my God, 1,000 meter that had ever been. I need to tell somebody, if you fail and if you fall down, trying to advance, I need you to get up and go at it again. Because eventually, oh, I wish you'd hear me today. Eventually, you are not only going to win, but you are going to surpass even your own expectations you've set for yourself. No wonder in Ephesians 3.20, God said now unto him that is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think. God said, I can do more for you than you ever dreamed possible. All I need you to do is have winning spirit. I got to hurry. I got to close here. I really do. Number three, I'm going to speed it up. I'm not going to go through all my notes today. Number three, Caleb waited for the promise of God. There's times that you have to be willing to wait for God's promise. There's times that I have wanted God to move faster than he's moved, but he chose not to. Can I tell you, there's nothing you can do about that. He's an on-time God. Yes, He is. He's an on-time God. Yes, He may not come when you want Him. He'll be there right on time. Y'all remember that? He's an on-time God. Yes, He is. So so I'm sitting here and and I'm thinking, this this God that I serve. Now watch this. The, The unbelief of other people cost Caleb, yeah, the guy with the winning spirit, 40 years in the wilderness. So while we're waiting on the promise, whether we like it or not, the responses and the actions of other people can sometimes affect us negatively. Even in the church. I'm going to be real with you just a minute. So, so I was pastoring in, in a certain church, certain place, certain area of the state. And as I was pastoring there, we had some land, really good land. Matter of fact, it was about five acres of land. We were going to build on that land. We had a dream church, dream plan, right? Had our dreams in place. We could see it in the future. Thought everything was going good, right? Thought we could do it. I mean, I want to tell you how valuable the land was. The land was so valuable that there was a hospital coming beside it. They sat at my kitchen table uh, in in the parsonage and sat there with me and another uh, deacon at the time. That's what we had there was deacons. And, and told us that we are willing to give you $1 million cash if you'll just sell us this property, right? So we took the church, hey guys, y'all want to sell the property? Everybody, no, 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 we don't want to sell the property. We want to build. Well, as a pastor, you're like, yeah, let's build. I like building. Let's do this. But guess what? The actions of a few that I was not privy to and didn't realize was going on behind the scenes caused the whole congregation to suffer loss because of a few. The disbelief of some kept the people of faith from moving forward. And I'm afraid that's what's happened in a lot of our churches in America today. I think so often that we have a group that wants to move forward, that wants to... The promise of God is right there. But there's always that group that says, no, let's not go there. That's why I'm so glad for our church, man. Some of you missed that meeting the other night. And, but hey, we moved it forward. We're we going into phase two. I wish I could tell you right now that 
that we were taking pews out this morning and putting new seating in for you and all that. I wish I could tell you that. But because of these shipping issues, it's going to take probably five months just to get it. So, I mean, we're going to be talking about phase two, and I'm going to be telling you, hey, if y'all want to put a little extra offering on phase two, just write it down. We'll have this thing paid for by the time we even start it. I mean, that's the scourge. I'm ready to go now. But sometimes you have to wait. But thank God that right here today that we've got some people with the winning spirit. And we got some people here today that I truly believe want to advance the kingdom. We can see the promise of God before us. And there's some people in here today that we're not just looking at the promised land. We are going to move forward and we are going to reach out and we are going to take it. Because that's what God wants. And I'll leave you with this. Play the piano, Sandra, please. Number four, Caleb was willing to fight for what he wanted. The gift of faith is free, but the life of faith is a fight. A matter of fact, there's going to be battles against our goals, our families, our ministries, our careers, whatever it may be. But this is what Caleb said in verse 12. He said, the Lord helping me, I will drive out these giants just as I said. And then he made a powerful affirmation that we need to learn to make. Forty years later, he looks and he says, give me this mountain. Y'all remember that famous quote? He was 85 years old when he made that affirmation this is my mountain this is what God promised me now y'all go enjoy the land of promise but I'm gonna die on my mountain he was willing to wait and he was willing to fight against every giant that came his way because he knew in the end the greater the battle the sweeter the victory so to everyone today, I say to you, go forth and claim your inheritance. To everyone today, I say lay claim to God's promises. To you today, I say fight whatever spiritual battles you need to fight to achieve the victory. Don't be like Israel and stop short of the promise. And don't you dare let the unbelief of others discourage you. From getting your inheritance. The promise. That God has given you. I want you all to stand. So my question today. As I close. Are you willing to fight. For the things that you want. And that you desire. If you are. I want you to give God the greatest hand clap of praise. You've done all this. spirit it is not the pouting spirit we got enough of people pouting nowadays it is not the self pity spirit oh woe is me everybody look at how bad my life's going I, woe is me man you just don't know nothing till you walk the mile in my shoes I don't need that I don't need a justifying spirit that thinks they can do whatever they want live any way they want that's not what I need I don't need the excusing spirit. 
that's all the time making excuses for why they can't do anything for God. Making excuses for why they haven't won their victory yet. Making excuses for why they're still way back there when God told them to be way up here. I don't need the losing spirit because we all know where that gets you. The losing spirit always loses. I need you just to look at your neighbor and say, you are a winner. You are a winner, Reinhardt. You are a winner, Janice Young. You are a winner, Beth. You are a winner, Johnny. I know Wednesday, I called you. What did I call you Wednesday? A, 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 a what? A parasite. Today, Johnny, you are no longer a parasite. You are a winner. Who in this house today? Y'all see we act crazy on Wednesday nights. I'm telling you. Who in this house today says I am not leaving here defeated anymore? I'm leaving here a winner. If you want to be that person, this altar's open. You got a song? What you got? Sing it. Let it rain, let it rain. Come on, if you want to pray, there goes one. If you want to pray, come on. Let it pour from heaven. Let it rain. Jesus. I'm believing here a winner. I'm believing here a winner. I'm believing here a winner. Rain on me, Jesus. I'm believing a winner. I'm a winner.